When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms of preteens, teens, and young adults. My mission is to first and foremost support and encourage you, mom, so that you can live well and reclaim your life. Two, this show will help you have the best possible relationships with your teens so that you can communicate, motivate, and guide them effectively and actually enjoy them. And third, I will bring you top-notch guests who will share the newest in adolescent research and trends so you can be prepared and aware of what your teens are facing today. Always you will leave each episode armed with practical parenting tips. Welcome back, everyone, to the 205th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. This podcast is being released on February 20th, and a week from today, on February 27th, I am starting my seven-week Power Your Parenting program. I love this program because it works. I have launched this program for 10 years, and I have seen these results over and over. Moms who are depressed about their teen leave the program encouraged and have hope again. Moms who could only see the negative in their teen now see their teen with new eyes and now see their strengths. Those who couldn't believe that they could get their teen to talk to them or that they would even want to hang out with them are having their teens say things like, I love you, mom, right out of the blue. Moms who, of course, love their teens, but really didn't like them because they'd been such a hornet to them, find that they are starting to have fun with their own son or daughter again. Moms who felt so taken for granted and felt like their teen's personal assistant are feeling empowered to set boundaries and gain their teen's respect. Moms who felt like they've lost their spark and don't feel like themselves find that they are taking way better care of themselves and are finding life again. Those whose only hope of relief was a glass of Pinot Noir at the end of the day are finding that they can actually have more fun hanging out with their teens in their room. So what is Power Your Parenting? It's a seven-week program where you can get an encouraging lesson from me every day for 49 days. You will also meet with like-minded moms on our once-a-week Zoom call where you will find out you are not the only one struggling. Each mom will get individualized coaching from me for seven weeks in a row. A lot of you have told me you love my podcast and books, which I'm very grateful for. 
but you also would like a little more help in knowing how to apply it with your own teen. I get it. Every teen and every situation and every home is different. So there are a lot of things the same, but how you apply some of these things can be laserly applied to your unique situation. This program doesn't take a lot of time. I know you're busy. You can listen to the daily lessons, and I know y'all are very good listeners. Ha ha. This is going to sell out because I'm going to limit this program to 15 moms. Are you interested? Email me at Colleen, C-O-L-L-E-E-N, at dialdownthedrama.com, and I will send you all the details. I would love to get to know you that way. I have a great episode for you today. We are going to talk about toxic relationships, what they are, and what are the signs that a relationship is toxic. This episode will be extremely helpful in helping you help your teens. You can help them see what are the red flags. Besides your teens, you might be in a toxic relationship. I think you're going to find this podcast not depressing, but actually very empowering. Dr. Heidi is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. After spending 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship, she broke the chains and turned her past into her passion. She left her 24-year career in healthcare to use her life experience and education to be the person she needed when she herself was trapped in the darkness of an unhealthy relationship to provide hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behaviors. Through education, she presents the understanding needed to empower others to walk through fear and into their freedom. Today, she has helped hundreds rid and heal their toxic relationships and hosts a popular podcast, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. Rid your life of toxic people with over a million downloads worldwide. She is an international keynote speaker, recipient of Empowering Women in Business of the Year Award by Inspiring Lives Magazine, and has been featured in both Forbes and Time Magazines for the dedication given to her clients and for her work in the toxic relationship area. So welcome, Dr. Heidi. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're here. So the first question I always ask my guests is, are you a mom and what are the ages of your kids? I am a mom and I am thankful that my kids are 25 and 27. And then I have a stepdaughter who is 22. So I have three girls. Wow. I have one girl and she's 27. And that's a, to me, that's a really nice age. Mm -hmm. it's, it is, but at the same time, it's the, I'm still broke and very frustrated age. <laughs> When you answer the phone and the first thing they say is, how come everything's so expensive? You're like, oh, here we go. Yes. Well, I just got back from taking my daughter on a birthday trip because she is broke and she's open to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's advantages of them being broke. All right. So how is it that you transitioned from a career in healthcare to toxic relationship specialist? How did I transition? Well, I have, yeah, so just to be clear, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm a chiropractor, acupuncturist by trade, and we all go through career burnout, maybe we want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I had practiced 12 years 
uh, with a former husband. And then I moved and I practiced 12 years uh, by myself. But towards the end of the second 12 years, I kind of started getting that burnout just a little bit. And I felt myself going, yeah, 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 whatever, get on the table. And I thought when you treat people and you're feeling like this, I always felt like it was time to add something. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing women's retreats. Now there's a little bit of backstory to why I started, you know, doing this. I started doing women's retreats on making yourself a priority because I had a history of a relationship where I was not the priority. I couldn't make myself a priority. It was a fight for almost 14 years. Mm. And so I thought, I know how to teach. And I guess backstory to that, I grew up in a little tiny Christian community. I love saying Bozeman, Montana now because everybody <laughs> watches Yellowstone. <laughs> everybody knows. Yes, that's where I grew up. And and it was it was a pretty tight-knit community. You know, we went to the same church. Everybody went to the same school. I saw the same people for the first 18 years of my life. And then when I left to go to grad school, I met my former husband. And I think I really thought everybody was what I perceived the people in my community to be. I would have never thought there'd be somebody out there with that didn't have your best interest in mind that, you know, wanted you in their life for the things you could provide them. Somebody who really did not care how you felt about things as long as, you know, I just didn't think that there was people out there like that. Yeah. And long story short, you know, I did not want to go on the first date, but I am a healthcare provider. I'm emotionally wired. So by the third time he asked me out, I didn't want to be the bad person. I didn't want to be mean. Okay, fine. We'll go out. Well, all of a sudden, another date, another date, we're engaged. I'm married. I have a baby. We have a business. We have another baby. And and 14 years later, I ended up running away from mm. that relationship, not knowing the whole time I was in it that it was actually abusive because it wasn't what they would classify as domestic violence, you know? And so I moved. Uh, when I was in that relationship, you couldn't talk about what was going on there because nobody really understood it. And I would then be in trouble if it was found out that I had been trying to talk about our relationship. So I never talked about it. I ended up, I had mentioned to you before, when I moved, I actually had to basically run away and I had to leave my kids. And so when I restarted my chiropractic office four hours away, I didn't talk about it because how am I supposed to explain that I'm a mom that that had to leave her kids because she was running for her life. So I just didn't talk about it then either. Well, then when I decided to start these retreats, I thought I can do the priority coaching without talking about my past. Well, questions started coming in and all of a sudden I'm bleh, examples from my former life. And all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. Well, the people that were actually coming to the retreats were coming out of emotionally abusive relationships, mm. toxic relationships, relationships that were unhealthy. And so I really just started doing a little bit more and a little bit more in it. And it all of a sudden was the only thing I wanted to do. I was doing it 24 seven. I wrote my programs. I developed all of, all of my coaching, you know, information. I started doing conferences. I started doing more retreats. I was able to retire from healthcare right when COVID started. And oh, so, wow. yeah, it was perfect timing. I had kind of done that. Well, financially, is this going to, you know, the whole balance thing? Yeah. Yep. I just gave a notification 30 days later, I walked out of healthcare and I have been on the phone every day, all day long since I was raised faith-based. I think that God said here, you're going to be a chiropractor for 25 years while I train you for your real job. Yes. Yes. So what do you love about it? 
I think there's two things that I love about it. I am driven by helping people. You know, you're the same way. You yeah. you wouldn't do the job you did if you weren't the fixer, the supporter, the helper. And and I think also, for some reason, I am very good at my job because the relationship I was in, I would never have known it then, was very, very extremely emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. uh, my girls and I didn't realize it because it happened every day. It became mm. the behavior came very normal to us. We learned how to jump through the hoops to avoid conflict, to stay out of trouble, to keep him happy. And so when I was in it before I ran away, I I just knew it was bad. You know, and then looking back, because now I understand emotional abuse and I understand the way the toxic personality works, I feel super confident in it. And I I'm able to walk people, other people out of relationships once they realize this is not the best place for me. Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of empathy and compassion for these women because you were there, there yourself. Yeah, and I always, when I get a new client, I always put myself exactly where they were so that I can remember exactly what types of things I was thinking, what types of things I was feeling, and that I didn't have that. I really, my mission is to be the person that I needed when I was going through it. Yeah. And so I really make myself go back there to whichever place the client is at that moment. Yeah. So the million dollar question is, what is a toxic relationship? Okay, this is my favorite question. <laughs> um, because the word now I chose the word toxic seven years ago. It's I my title is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist, whatever titles mean, I have no idea. I chose the word toxic before it was all over social media. And the reason I chose it is it's not a diagnosis. It's a blanket phrase. It's just an adjective, but it's a blanket word that can cover any type of relationship in the status that it's in that may be unhealthy for you mentally, physically, or emotionally. Now, when you see it on social media, we're really led to believe that toxic is a diagnosis. Like this person's toxic, this person's not toxic. And this person's toxic, and if they're toxic, they're toxic to everybody. That's not necessarily how I view it. I realized we are actually the one that's in control of deciding who is healthy for us and who is not. And I think that's where you people kind of switch. You try to pin somebody with a diagnosis or you try to, you know, make them check all the boxes so that then then you can understand. But what do you and I do if because we're empathetic and because we're caring, if we hear that they have a diagnosis or they have an addiction or they've had a traumatic upbringing, we feel sorry for them, you know, and we're the fixers and we're the supporters. So the minute we feel sorry for them, we're oh. And so I, I take the word toxic and I basically present the information people need to make the decision for themselves if this is a good relationship or not. And it's it's not just intimate relationships. It's friendships. It's, you know, coworker situations. It's families. It's siblings. It's all sorts of relationships. And any one of them could be unhealthy for you. But it's it's kind of empowering to know, oh, wow, I'm the one that actually gets to decide. Mm -hmm. you know, I love people, that. I'm the one who lets everybody in my inner circle, you know, come in, come in, I'll help, I'll support. And I've spent the last 15 years kicking them all out because now I realize I get to decide what distance they are from me and, and how I interact with them so that if there is toxic behavior, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't mean they have to be completely kicked out of my life. It's just, I know what level I'm safe within that relationship. I love that. That's very, very empowering because the last thing that any person needs if they feel they're in an abusive relationship or toxic relationship or it just doesn't feel good is to have someone say, well, no, he's a good guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. and the other thing about toxic is toxic can be anything from the bully on the playground all the way mm-hmm. up to the person I ran away from to the things you're seeing on Netflix. So mm-hmm. they don't have to be like the person I ran away from or the things you're seeing on Netflix for you to make a decision that maybe this isn't healthy. So listening to a lot of people, what are some of those elements that are not healthy that make it toxic? I think the bottom line of what makes a relationship toxic for one or the other individuals in the relationship is the people, the two people in the relationship are in the relationship for different reasons. You know, again, I'll use you and I as an example, because I'm sure our personalities are much the same, you know, a kind, caring, loving, giving personality, the empathetic personality, we're going to step into a relationship for companionship, partnership, friendship, emotional support to build a life together, to build a friendship together, because we wouldn't step into relationships for anything but things like that, where there's a different type of personalities. The other thing I should emphasize, toxic doesn't mean somebody's a bad person, mm-hmm. you know, because if somebody's toxic to you, they're the people that are close to you. They're, they are your parents. They are your kids. They're your siblings. They're your spouse. They're your intimate partner. They're your best friends because the toxic personality is usually somewhat insecure mm-hmm. in themselves. Now, again, we go back, there's a reason they're insecure. It could be a traumatic upbringing. It could be an addiction. It could be a diagnosis. And of course, we feel sorry for them. So we step into the relationships for companionship and partnership and intimacy, and they step into a relationship so that that person can make them feel more secure. Mm. They don't tell you that in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, they really agree that their relationship goals are the same as yours and they want the same thing as you. What I like to say in the beginning, when you really feel like everything's going well and this is the best friend I've ever met, and no, this is the best person I've ever dated, we really feel like we might have met our soulmate because they portray that they want the same things as we do. Because if they would really say, well, it's because I'm insecure, we would say thanks, but no thanks. And the majority of them don't realize that their behavior is driven from an insecurity themselves. You could never tell them that because just like you and I are super empathetic and super helpful and super supportive, they were developed that way for some reason. And that's all they know. There's a lot of toxic people bashing and there's a lot of, I don't use the word narcissist very often because they don't have to fit into a diagnosis for you to decide if they're if they're good for you or not. So what are some of the warning signs that a relationship may be toxic? I jotted some down for moms to watch. So we'll get we'll get to those in a little bit. But because the toxic personality is driven for insecurity, there's things that they need. So if if you find yourself in the life of somebody who, who you decide is unhealthy or toxic, and you can interchange those words, you are in their life because you are the personality that will supply them with some of the things that they need. And they like to feel the feeling of control because that makes them feel secure. They like the feeling of power. They, they definitely like attention. They don't necessarily care if it's positive or negative attention. The bully on the playground, the bully on the playground, if I can make you feel bad, I feel better. And that's not positive attention. That's negative attention, but it still makes them feel power and makes them feel secure in themselves. You know, they, on the outside, admiration. Okay. If, if people would have asked me what was going on in our home when I was married to my farmer and I told them they would not have believed me. 
because the public toxic person is completely different than the private toxic person because of that need for admiration and attention. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the baseball coaches. They're the ones volunteering. They're the ones in church. They're the ones that'll do anything for anybody in public. And then at home, it's it's a complete control and power type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that makes it difficult for people who are in these relationships to talk to people because everybody on the outside sees the opposite side of the person. Mm -hmm. So the things that make them feel, back to your question of what are some of the signs, because they're looking for control and power, there's usually a lot of criticism in a relationship, a lot of belittling. A a lot of times there's name calling. You know, what's the first thing we teach our kids? Yeah. Yeah names. And here we have grown adults, teenage kids calling names. Okay. Why would somebody call a name? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a, if I can make you feel bad, I feel better. And where is our attention when somebody's calling us names? Mm -hmm. It's on them. Mm -hmm. And so, so a lot of those tear you down traits are definitely crossing boundaries. Okay. When we set a boundary, we're in control, right? Mm -hmm. The toxic personality needs to feel control. So when we set a boundary and we take control, they need to smash our boundary in order to to feel that control. You know, and I always use this, you know, can you please not wear your muddy boots in the house right after I'm off the floor? Okay, that's you taking control. That's you setting a boundary. With a toxic person, what is guaranteed to happen in the next 24 hours? They are going to walk in the house with muddy boots because you're not going to tell them and you're not going to get control. They're going to mess up your floor and, you know, take control back. The problem is when you stay in those type of relationships, and this is exactly what I did, it was too hard to set boundaries because every time I did, it was conflict. It was a fight. He would smash right over top of them. So now I don't worry about the muddy boots in the house anymore. I just wait till he leaves. I roll my eyes. I clean it up. And then I quit setting boundaries everywhere else. Quit setting boundaries with other relationships too if you're used to not setting boundaries. Then people look at you like, well, how come you don't stand up for yourself? You know, well, they don't realize all of this adaption that you've gone through while you're in this relationship to stay out of conflict, to keep them happy, to to avoid fights. Yeah. They look at you like, well, you're such a pushover. Why don't you stand up for yourself? They don't realize that if you do, there's going to be conflict in, in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the insecure person needs to be on top. Mm -hmm. They need to be, feel like they have more power than you. The toxic personality will really try to change and take your identity away. You can see me, your audience can't see me, but I was told three weeks after we got married that he was really disappointed in himself because he always planned on marrying a blonde. Okay, (laughs) you can see it's pretty evident I'm not blonde, right? You don't have blonde hair. But so for for 14 years, it was more highlights, more highlights, more highlights, more highlights. I wasn't Mm. going to the beauty shop going, how does Heidi want to wear her hair? I was going to the beauty shop going, how do I think he's going to approve of me wearing my hair? Yeah. And, and when we start making the decisions that, that we should be making for ourselves, according to what we think is going to keep them happy, we start doubting ourselves, doubting our decision-making ability, and we lose our identity. We, we give up our value system to avoid conflict. We put up with things we wouldn't normally put up with. We you know accept things we wouldn't normally accept because we are continually trying to be good enough for them. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some of the other things because of that feeling of control, you will always feel like you missed the mark. 
You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll say, well, if you just do this, things will be better. If you just do that, if you just change this, if you just be a better girlfriend, if you just be a better wife, if, you know, if you just be a better child. And so we, we are the pleasing type. So we jump on that treadmill and, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to fix it. We're going to, and we order self-help books and we, we, you know, we do the research and then we get to where we think, okay, good. We, we got there. Well, the toxic personality always wants to be one step higher than you. So you're always going to miss the mark. Yeah. They're yeah. always going to change the rules or move the goalposts. So then you jump back on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And, no. and where, where is our attention the whole entire time we're trying to be good enough for them? Yeah. So then. And then I know you can speak to this. You've lived it. But I think when you're in a relationship with a toxic person, you really never are able to have a conversation. You think you can have a conversation but they're not listening to you as you are listening to them. Right. You want to speak to that? Yeah. And actually this is this part of this is the first thing I go over. Now I take private clients. That's why when I say my clients, but this is the thing I go over on the very first call. You and I are emotionally driven. We only see the world through our emotionally wired eyes. So we do, you and I are the type that get up in the morning and we make sure everybody in our world is going to be okay today. Mm -hmm. right? When you are in a relationship where things are really rocky, you don't feel like you can communicate. We look at people that are calling us names, people that are overpowering us, people that are questioning our decisions. We look at them and we think, how come you can't just act normal? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then we think, well, if we just use the right tone of voice and wear the right color shirt and pick the right time of day, and I just reiterate to them once again, how they've hurt me and and how they hurt my feelings, and maybe if they could change this and and what I need in the relationship. We really think if we keep repeating that, that one morning they're going to wake up and act like us. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. in the end, they're not because they are not wired emotionally. So we see the world through emotion. So when we look at them like, how come you can't just act normal? They actually are acting normal for their personality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so us telling them to change or us telling them that they hurt our feelings they're not empathetic at all. So they don't even understand the part about hurting feelings because all they're mm-hmm. thinking about is the power, the control, the attention so that they feel secure. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if we start telling them how they hurt our feelings, they would rather go, well, don't you think you're being too sensitive mm-hmm. or how can you always have to overreact? Mm-hmm. So, so now that's another thing that's wrong with us that we have to fix. So we try not to be sensitive and we try not to overreact. And the more we get these limitations put on us and on how we can communicate with them, we have less and less opportunity to communicate. Yeah. And it gets harder and harder over the years, right? Yeah. And, and there's one of my podcasts is called conversations with a toxic person Mm -hmm. because they don't enter into a conversation. They enter into a verbal competition. Competition is another one of the character traits Mm -hmm. and Um, They enter into this verbal competition knowing if they can keep at this conversation, they'll win. And these conversations, there's never any closure. It goes through this whole, you know, you'll go through this blaming and then this accusing, and then you'll come up with some facts that are actually solid. And it might actually end up with a silent treatment, you know, because they're going to win that conversation. And that's, Mm -hmm. and then we feel like we're not good communicators when really we actually are pretty good communicators until you find yourself in a relationship that's not healthy. And the reason is, they're not going to let you communicate because mm-hmm. the, it makes them feel secure when when they can say you're not a good communicator. This what we're just talking about 
is so empowering. If you're a mom and you feel like you might be in a toxic relationship, just to know it's not you. You can't contort. You can't say it any differently to get it through. Like you just said so well, there's just completely different goals in the conversation. How I was explained to me is we're thinking we're having a conversation on level plane, you know, horizontal. But for them, they're always one up. Mm-hmm. And so you're never having a level plane conversation. Yep. And again, because we can only see it through our eyes, we can't figure out why we can't just have a conversation. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, the other thing too, there's a lot, again, I said this already, there's a lot of toxic people bashing. Oh, they're monsters. Oh, they're terrible. Toxic people didn't ask to be like this. You know, they didn't mean to be like this. And that's why I spend so much time educating people on how the toxic personality operates, because all we can see is how come you don't just act normal? Mm-hmm. But I mean, any scenario any anybody gives me, I can tell you exactly why the toxic person's doing that. Well, as soon as you from the inside of the relationship can see things through the eyes of the toxic person, mm-hmm. then you understand what the relationship really is. Then you can make a decision on one, whether you want to stay in it or whether you want to make some changes to it so that you can keep yourself a little bit more safe. Yeah. In my situation, I had to go completely no contact. Yeah. You know, the other thing I probably should say here is your toxic personality is usually emotionally abusive. Okay. And, and I want to give a definition of emotional abuse because you hear it and it floats around and it's on social media and nobody really, really can wrap their head around what it really means. What emotional abuse is, in my opinion, is, and you can correct me if you think or add to this, when someone uses your emotions to get what they need. Mm -hmm. So the toxic personality will want to say or do things that get an emotional reaction out of you. If they can say or do something to make you happy. You know, oh, I was going to take you on a date tonight. Oh, you're happy. That's an emotion. And what they said was what elicited that emotion. If they can say or do something to make you sad, to make you cry, to make you upset, to make you frustrated, to make you feel guilty. Guilt is a huge one. Mm -hmm. If they can say something to make you feel guilty, us empathetic wired people do not like feeling guilty. What is the fastest way to get rid of the feeling of guilt? Do Mm -hmm. whatever they say. So that feeling of guilt goes away. So the toxic personality really uses our emotions against us. So we do supply them with those things. You know, I left my former relationship six times. And, and I think that that's actually average. I didn't know it then, but the first couple of times I left, I heard, I can't believe you're breaking up the family. Yeah. Right. I'm so empathetic. I didn't take the time to look at everything that had happened and look at how dysfunctional this is. And the fact that this is not a family at all. All I did was, Oh, Oh my gosh, you're totally right. I can't do that. I felt so guilty. I went back, I went back twice because of the breaking up the family guilt. Mm. It was mm. not a family. Right. An awful situation that nobody was safe in. Right. I completely and, agree. And, I completely and they, agree. You know, the toxic personality really wants mm. you emotionally dependent on them so that you base your feeling off of how they tell you to feel or how they want you to feel. And the illustration that I give, and this, I give this as a household, like a spousal example, but if you're in the kitchen in the morning and you're getting ready and the kids are running around, they're getting ready for school. And I'm just going to use the toxic spouse as the example. And the spouse gets up and you can hear the kids laughing and you can hear him pet the dog. And he comes in the kitchen and he grabs his coffee and he gives you a kiss on the cheek and he says, have a good day at work. And he leaves for work. 
What kind of day do you have that day? A pretty good day, right? Yeah, yeah. But Wednesday morning, same thing. You're in the kitchen. You're doing exactly the same thing as you were doing yesterday. The kids are getting ready for school and you can hear them walking and they're heavier. Yeah. And they scream at the kids. You can hear the dog yelp. They come in, they take their coffee. They don't say a word to you. They slam the door and they leave. What kind of day do you have that day? Right, crappy day. Yes. Okay. That that is someone who has been involved in an emotionally abusive relationship, and they've become dependent on the other person to know how they're supposed to feel. Mm. If they're in a good mood, I have a good day. If they're mm. in a bad, I have a bad day. And mm-hmm. I remember my girls and I would wait to hear how the door closed when he came home from work. Mm. We could tell how the door closed and how he came up the stairs, what kind of night it was going to be. And you know, we try to stay one step ahead of him. Yeah. We always have to pay attention to what they're doing and what they're saying so we can keep ourselves safe. That's that's what survival mode is called. Yeah. We're trying to we're trying to keep conflict down. So we anticipate. We never stop long enough to go, wait, they're doing this and saying this, but why are they doing and saying it? Because all we know is we got to be ready for the next thing. Something mm-hmm. else is gonna happen. And the toxic personality also, this is another thing that that the listeners can jot down. They're very unpredictable and they're very inconsistent. Yes. The reason there's a lot of changing plans, there's a lot of canceling plans, there's a lot of last minute plans. You can call them at the grocery store. They're in a good mood. You you make a six minute drive home and you walk in the house and their mood is completely different. Okay. Yeah. The reason they're unpredictable and the reason they're inconsistent is our attention has to stay on them. So we're ready for whatever is coming. That's the truth. A while ago, I used to consult as a therapist in a Houston area women's center. And they had a handout for the women that came, which was called the power and control wheel. Mm -hmm. Because it's not always hitting or physical violence. But one of the things that are subtle, and so I love what you're saying, because it's the subtleties over time that just keep intensifying. But One of the things is that they would also criticize your friends or criticize your family because they want to isolate you so that they can keep you like 100% dependent on jumping through their hoops. And, you know, that the isolation tactic was what just about took me out. Mm -hmm. Um, No, my family was in Montana. I was in Iowa at the time. That aspect has a lot to do with the emotional abuse aspect. Anything that brings you emotion a support system, the love of a family, a good friendship, a hobby, an activity that really brings you joy, maybe a collection that you've worked really hard on and you're really happy about it. If there's something else in your life that is bringing emotion, they're going to try and and get that out of your life. So I think in the 12 years I was married, I think I was allowed to see my family two or three times. Wow. It caused so much conflict that finally I quit asking to go see him. Mm. Yeah. The times I was allowed to go, I say allowed because that's how it works. I was allowed to go see them, but because he wasn't sure what I was doing and he didn't have my attention, he called all the time. He texted all the time so that even while I was with my family, my attention had to be on him. And I never went back because it was so stressful for me to be at my family and him blowing my phone up the entire time I was there that I just didn't go back. Mm. And that whole reason is he had the power and control over, over what I was doing when I was there. And my attention was up on him because I had to keep answering the phone. Well, why did I keep answering the phone? Because I was going to be in trouble if I didn't. Right. You know, right. Um, you talked about the power and control wheel. I want to mention that just a little bit too, because, you know, 
we've got moms of teens that are are listening to this. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, we we have to talk about how abuse escalates. Now, some of the moms listening, you might find yourself in a relationship that's unhealthy. When we talk about the emotional reaction that they want. Okay, if you get up on Tuesday morning and they call you a name, okay, your attention is also on them, but you're upset, you they get an emotional reaction. If you get up the next 15 days and they call you the same name every morning when you get up, by the 15th day, you're not going to have that same reaction, right? Because now it's normal. It's like walking into a room that stinks. If you stay in the room, the smell goes away, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So on the 15th day, you don't react when they call you that name. So what do they have to do? Mm, it has to be yeah. a meeting. It has to get bigger. They have to yell louder. Well, pretty soon you're used to that. Well, then they start picking up things and breaking things or punching walls. I was so used to things in my house getting broken that it didn't even phase me when dishes got smashed because if you're not giving a reaction when things are getting broken, they're going to start blocking doorways. They're going to start going for your car keys. They're going to start, you know, and then if they block a doorway and you don't react, the pushing and shoving will start. And after the pushing and shoving starts, now it is a domestically violent situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the people that I work with, they'll say, oh, well, he's never hit me. I'm not worried about that. Okay, mm -hmm. these are the same ones that I'm helping escape and they're running for their life by the time they're leaving because they're not giving that person the reaction that they're seeking in order for them to feel secure. That's completely true. So what can moms tell their sons or daughters if they think that they're in a toxic relationship? Okay, well, the first thing I always have to say is every teenager is a little toxic person. <laughs> Right. Because if you think about what the toxic personality is after control, power, attention, admiration, right? Teenagers go through that because, because the teenage years, we're trying to find our identity. That's what the teenage years are for. That's why we're rebellious. That's why we're rule breakers during our mm -hmm. teenage years. Right. Yeah. And so, mom, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're the idiot right now. <laughs> right. You know nothing because they know everything. You're going to notice changes if you've got a son or daughter that is in a toxic friendship or a, you know, a toxic relationship. And I think some of the things that, that you could look for as a mom is watch for changes in like how they're dressing, like sudden changes in how they're dressing, how they're wearing their hair, how they're talking, the things that are important to them. You know, if all of a sudden they're ditching their homework and they haven't, that might be an indication of, oh, I'm really disappointed in myself. I wish I married a blonde. You know, it might be something like, oh, well, I really like it when you wear those tight jeans. Well, you've already told them they can't wear the tight jeans to school. And all of a sudden they're sneaking their tight jeans out, you know, and, and they think moms are idiots. Mm -hmm. we, we know they're sneaking their tight jeans out, right? Right. You want to also watch for you, you know, your kid's value system because you have tried to instill that. So mm -hmm. if you start noticing that, that they're compromising their values and that they're letting their boundaries down, all of a sudden they're hanging out with the bad group or, you know, they're using language they don't normally use. Somebody has probably crossed boundaries or made them feel bad because they have boundaries. Yes. You know, and we know, I'm, I'm going to say it, we know that sex is rampant. I was not raised where there was a lot of sexual activity in high school. I'm very aware it's completely different now. And when you have raised a child to really value that, that's going to be one of the first things that a toxic person is going to try and take that boundary away. Because yes. intimacy for the emotional type is emotional. We feel loved. We feel good. We feel cherished during that moment. Okay, the toxic personality, 
is after control and power and attention and admiration. So they're going to push that boundary. So, you know, you might want to have the talk with your kids on that because they're going to be criticized if if they choose not to do it. And, and they're going to feel like in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, in order to be valued, they're going to have to let that boundary go. If you start noticing an overall sense of they're not good enough, like, mm-hmm. like for example, if you have if you have a daughter that loves to sing in choir and she's very good and it's her passion and all of a sudden you hear things like, I don't want to do that anymore or, you know, I, I'm not I'm not good at that anymore. If you start noticing that, that switch in passion, there's probably somebody that's telling them something that's making them feel like they need to change in order to keep conflict down or please. They're going to deny. They're going to make excuses. We have to word things a little bit different. One of the other things really quick, if you notice that they change their plans, like if they always go Thursday night to Jenny's house and all the girls hang out, all of a sudden they're not doing that. They're now hanging out with so-and-so. Just kind of watch for that because the toxic personality is going to want their attention all the time. And they'll, the toxic personality will say things, well, you must not really like me if you're going to go hang out with them. Well, now we have to prove we're good enough. So now we have to ditch our friends, which is also part of that isolation we were talking about. Yes. So yes. so changes in friend groups, changes in behavior. And and again, I'm just I'm these are kind of watch outs for moms because sometimes we don't know until we know. The isolation thing, somebody who's toxic is not going to want your child to hang out with you either. They're going to badmouth you so that they would rather be with the toxic person than hang out with mom and dad. Those are some things you can kind of watch for just from afar. And I think if you if you start seeing some of those things, it's probably time to ask some questions. Now, this is going to be tricky also because you can't go in to a teenage toxic person and say that you think somebody is bad or that mm-hmm. you think somebody is toxic. Because right. my mom and dad moved me out three times. Oh, wow. Okay. I have to learn my own mistakes. And I really want to believe the words that came out of his mouth because he said our relationship goals were the same, right? And, mm-hmm. and I keep looking for the person from the beginning of the relationship to come back. So I was, I was able to put everybody else's opinion out the door because he said he loved me and I believed him. And, you know, and by that time, I just really wanted his approval and I wanted to be a good wife and I wanted to be good enough. And so it really didn't matter what anybody else was saying. Yeah. So, so moms, when you're wording stuff like this, you don't want to say, I think they're bad for you because that immediately is going to make them want to ditch you and go over and spend more time with this person. What you're going to want to say is you're going to want to say, you know, it's not normal in a, in a relationship that's close for them to ask you to not hang out with your friends. It's not normal. If they were attracted to you and you were wearing these jeans and you had your hair this way, then why all of a sudden now are they asking you to change? It's not normal for somebody to want to change you if they really like you. If they like you, they're, they're going to like you for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you just want to say things like, I just want you to be aware that I love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing's going to make me stop loving you. I've also noticed you're changing some things and that's fine. But if you're changing for someone else, make sure you remember that you're perfect the way you are. And when somebody asks you to become someone you're not, I really want you to think about that mm-hmm. when you start making the changes. Because if if you come in there like a bulldozer mom, the same thing that, that I did would happen. They are going to run away from you. So you just bring things up that are normal in a healthy relationship. You can make stuff up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I saw these two kids the other day and they were on a date and they were so cute and they were holding mm-hmm. hands and he was so polite to her and you could just tell he loved everything about her. It just made my heart happy. You can just, because you want to start saying things that's going to make your child think. Yeah. We can't shove anything down a teenager's throat and expect them to listen. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I would add, let's say your daughter, you know her normal highs and lows. Mm -hmm. But if you start seeing it go way up high and way down low, if you start seeing extreme mood swings, like I remember my daughter was not dating the right person and I'm washing the dishes and all of a sudden, you know, I see uh, the cell phone being thrown across the room. That was over the top. Mm -hmm. that's the unpredictable, emotionally abusive person. Five minutes ago, she was really, really high because he made her feel like she was perfect, but he needed attention or needed to feel secure or whatever. He doesn't care if it's positive or negative attention and he'll, he'll switch to get the next emotional reaction out of her. Yes. yes. And you know what that, and you, you know what I'm talking about. That's what trained me to be very all or nothing. You know, mm-hmm. I've spent 15 years now out of that toxic relationship and I still have triggers from the way I processed and the way I thought in order to stay out of trouble with him. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. you feel like you have to be perfect and, yes. and yes. the toxic personality really makes you feel like if you are not 100% perfect all the time, you're a complete failure. Yes. Like it, it's all or nothing. It's very black and white. Yes. And I still have to process things, even like running my business and doing the conferences. I have to remember that things can go wrong and it's okay. Because I was trained that if it is not perfect and everything is right on point and everything is just very seen from the outside as, wow, she's got her stuff together. It's a complete failure. And I never should have done it. Yes. That's very ingrained in the toxic, you know, in the toxic person. The toxic person will say stuff like, you know, you could stand to lose a little weight. Okay. When they say that you probably, you might not have to lose weight, but they're in need for a a feeling of security. So they throw out a criticism. So immediately now they've got your attention. You're feeling bad. So they feel power. And guess what? You're going to change something. You're going to clean up your eating. You're going to start exercising. So now they've caused you to do something too, right? So you work really hard, you lose the five pounds and you're all excited thinking, okay, great. Now they're going to accept me. And they'll say something like, yeah, but why would you stop there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now they're pushing, you know, different things. And all of a sudden now you're the one that they think has an eating disorder. Yeah. No, I've seen that a lot. And the whole time, all we're trying to do is, can I just be good enough? Can I just please be good enough? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But the highs and low mood swings, that is 100% for sure. I remember... I would leave work. Now, here's here's another thing for moms to watch. Our body knows where it's comfortable and our body knows where it's not comfortable. Yes. And at work, I was confident. I knew what I was doing. My patients loved me. I was myself at work. But on my drive home from work, I turned into a different person and I would get a pain in my stomach and because my body knew I was going into an environment that wasn't safe. Mm, yeah. So, so if you start noticing anxiousness in your teens, Okay, the thing that we miss, in the beginning, we've, we've seen the red flags. We've had that feeling. I didn't want to go on that first date. It was in my stomach. I knew I didn't want to go on that first date. Okay, pretty soon you get used to living with that. 
that feeling is actually, here's, here's my chiropractic. That feeling is your body's natural defense mechanism telling you something's wrong. Mm -hmm. That is your gut. Your body knows where it's safe long before consciously you do. Yes. But when you stay in an environment like that, you don't see it as a warning sign anymore. Pay attention to how your body feels and look at who is around you. Mm -hmm. When you feel comfortable and you can be yourself, see who your friends are. Mm -hmm. When you're in places that you kind of have that anxious feeling, who is around you? Because mm -hmm. it's that's your body's innate intelligence trying to protect you. And that's something moms could teach their kids to do, looking out for themselves too. Yeah. So many good things. We could definitely talk for a couple more hours because I'm like just thinking of all these different people I've counseled over the years. And I think another really practical thing that moms can do is, well, two things. Is one, your daughter will, will be defensive. No, he's the greatest guy, greatest guy, greatest guy. But every once in a while they cave and they kind of let you in to what they think is awful about this person. That is a time that they're kind of allowing you to gently speak. You can't like be over the dramatic, like I told you he was the worst guy ever. That is a time that you can really step there and just say, you know, actually, that's true. What you're saying is true. And that isn't good for you. And you're, you're seeing that correctly. So if you're validating what she's already saying, that can be really helpful. Yeah. And validate what they're saying. And then secretly go on the internet and print out a list of bullet points of what a healthy relationship looks like. Yes. Now, don't present your <laughs> child with the bullet points. But when you validate how they're feeling and you validate that, that that's not right, then you can rattle off a couple of bullet points about what a healthy relationship looks like, because we really want them to start processing them themselves. We don't, nobody's going to leave a toxic relationship until they're ready to leave, no matter who tells them. Mm -hmm. So if you can start instilling what a healthy relationship looks like, they're going to have something to compare it to when he starts acting like, like they just presented to you. Yeah. When I'm working with some teen, tween, young adult girls, and I know they're in, not in great relationships. I'll have them write down everything that they had hoped for in a relationship and how they hoped to be treated and how they would hope to feel. And we'd write those all down. And then I said, okay, well, let's go back to this boy that you're kind of back and forth with. And let's just say if that quality is in this relationship. And so we'll go through that and I'll say, does he do this? Now, these are her words and we'll go through that. And then last time I did that, I had a little red marker. So it was like, you know, 85% was checked or X'd. That comes from them. And then I gave her the sheet of paper because I said, this is your true self. This is your grounding point. This is who you are. Because like what you've said so well is when you're in this relationship where you get caught up into trying to improve or keep the peace and all of that, you just, you lose yourself, like you said before. It's, it's, you're so confused. You've lost yourself. And that is a real grounding exercise. Yeah. And I think too, what I present it kind of the same way. I'll say, write a job description of what the, the person that is going to be your future partner, write the job description. Okay. If you were going to hire this person to help you in your business, you would hire the best resume. But in our personal relationships, we hire the seventh best resume and think, ah, I'll fix them. 
right? <laughs> yes. And yes, so that's if, good if too. They, if they have a job description, then every date is a job interview. And if they don't fit the job description, you don't hire them because you were the one that wrote it. Yes, that's good. I like that. You were just talking about change. I am loud. I'm obnoxious. I'm a social person. <laughs> I'm the first one to stand on the bar. I'm, you know, and I was like that when I met my former. And when I left, I never smiled. I never talked. I looked at the ground all the time. I remember looking in the mirror one day. And of course, I had a lot of blonde hair. I remember looking in the mirror one day and I did not even recognize myself. Mm. That whole identity I had completely changed everything because he didn't like it or, you know, it wasn't good enough. And when I didn't know what my identity was, he was in complete control. Mm. You know, my values went out the window. I always held honesty as this. One of my top values is honesty. For one, I think it's, it is because I can't lie. Like I can't even fib and everybody knows. (laughs) So I always kind of held honesty as, well, honesty. Okay. I lived with a cheater for 14 years. Mm. So, you know, I had the wrong impression. Okay, if my, if one of my values is honesty and I'm living with a cheater, mm-hmm. he's totally made me compromise my value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still couldn't lie, but I wasn't living according to my value system. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So if someone wanted to work with you or wanted to ask you questions or get in touch with you, how could they do that? Well, I, my website is coachingwithdrheidi.com. And I actually, this might be a, a good tool. There's something on my website called the toxicity profile analysis. Okay, I use it. Uh, the results I get, I use for when people, you know, do a session with me. But it's 106 questions. I know that's really long. But each one of those questions correlates to one of the 21 character traits that I teach. Mm. I use it because when I get the results, I can see how many yeses people answer in each character trait. So before I ever get on the phone with them, I kind of know what personality. But for for teenagers who might be thinking this relationship may or may not be good, just going through and answering questions, whether you ever talk to me or not, because a lot of that behavior has become normal to us. And when you read the question, well, has, has anybody disrespected you in public? We might not think that that's a toxic trait. The toxic person demands respect, but doesn't do anything to earn it and make sure that the people around them are very disrespected because that makes them feel power. But you you might never think that when your boyfriend told a joke about you in public and everybody laughed, you might have just thought, oh, well, I guess that was funny. Well, no, that was a complete sign of disrespect. So sometimes just going through and reading the questions in that TPA will make people start thinking, oh, well, maybe that's not normal. Mm, that would be really um, and, helpful. Yeah. And I also run a, a support group on Facebook. This would be more if the moms who are listening are finding themselves in a toxic relationship. Uh, and again, we don't have to call it abuse for it to be unhealthy. Uh, and that group is called Strength Within. I am getting ready to start a community. I'm launching a community because my private schedule is full. And actually that page is, is up also. And I have, it's not normal. It's toxic is my podcast. And that can be found on all the major platforms. Well, thank you so much. This is so helpful and it's so needed. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it. If you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, then 
this makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my award-winning, best-selling books, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, and my newest release book, Dial Up the Dream, Making Your Daughter's Journey to Adulthood the Best for Both of You. You can find both of these books wherever books are sold. And you can find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com. And that has two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.